Art Scene Now with WVIA's Fiona Powell. Coming to the Community Arts Centre in Williamsport on Tuesday, October the 18th, the first concert of the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra's 2022-2023 season will feature timeless classics, old and very new, with the music of Bach, Brahms, and 21st century composer Quinn Mason. I spoke by phone with the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra's music director, Gerardo Edelstein, about the first concert in this new season, entitled Bach, Brahms and Beyond. We decided to use the uh, phrase notes of passion because, you know, passion is always associated with music and notes you can actually transform that or, or interpret that, you know, the way you want, because notes are also notes of music. But I think that the word passion, that it has been always for me inseparable, you know, something that I cannot uh, not relate, you know, with any piece of music, uh, I felt that it had to be there and will perform every piece with love and passion. As you always do. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it is always my goal because music is always related to feelings. You know, Bernstein said that all the time. I mean, music can make you feel in so many different ways. And, and composers, when they write their music, cannot detach from, from emotions or from uh, things that, you know, are happening to them, around them. So every piece has its own characteristics, but... Uh, as so I said, the, the passion of music, of love, of uh, emotions uh, has to be there. When is the first concert? The first concert is on Tuesday, October 18th at 7.30 at the Community Arts Centre. And the program includes works by Brahms, Johannes Brahms, his Symphony Number no. 4, the Bach Double Concerto, actually Bach's only concerto for two violins, performed by the Minnick duo. The, it's called the Revamped Duo, Sally and Mark Minnick. And uh, we'll start the concert with a new piece just written last year by the upcoming young composer Queen Mason. And the piece is called Toast of the Town, That I'm going to tell you more about it. But if people look at, you know, Bach and Brahms, and they say, you know, uh, how can we connect those two? Bach living in the 18th century and, and Brahms in the 19th century, one being a Baroque composer and the other one being a Romantic composer. But the relationship between the two of them, you know, when, when you listen to some of the music, it gets extremely close. Starting with Bach, with this concerto, Bach wrote many, many concertos for many different combinations of instruments. Uh, mostly for keyboard, uh, the harpsichord. He wrote two concerti for violin. And as I mentioned earlier, this is the only one who is a, a double concerto. And uh, it is believed that it was composed around 1720 and is very virtuosic, uh, typical three movements, following a little bit of the uh, concerto grosso idea, although, you know, the concerto grosso has four movements, but, but the concerto grosso was the very beginning, the early concerto style, you know, genre, and uh, with some solos, but this really showcases the violin, and uh, it's basically, uh, I have to say, it's almost like written for 
for a couple. <laughs> so it's no surprise that, that uh, we have a couple playing it because the conversation between the two of them is constant. It's very intriguing at times, but especially the, the slow movement. It, it's all, almost like a long love song. Um, so, so beautiful. And uh, Mark and uh, Sally, who are both members of the orchestra, Mark is the concertmaster and Sally the principal second, they have been playing together for years, probably even before they, they got married. And they called themselves the revamped duo because they do all kinds of music, not only classical. They, they play some arrangements that they write and they complement each other incredibly, incredibly well. So when I thought to, to, that we, we should perform this piece, of course, they were the first ones that I had in mind to be our soloists. And now, what is the connection between Bach and Brahms? Brahms always, I mean, uh, like many of the romantic composers and some of the classicals as well, uh, pretty much at the end of their lives, they returned to Bach in a way, just, just to be more specific, went back to the Bach style, a more contrapuntal and uh, writing fugues or, or large orchestral choral compositions. And Brahms is no exception. He adored Bach and he studied Bach in depth. And although during his life he composed many works using some of Bach composition style, this one, um, in the symphony number no. four, he includes a chacon as the last movement. And that's a very characteristic genre or compositional style from the Baroque period. And with no surprise, he uses a theme taken from Bach, from a cantata. It's cantata number 150. So to get the, the audience, the public, you know, a little more familiar with the chacon is, it's a series of variations based on one theme that can go in an instrument of the orchestra, not only uh, on the basses or on the lower instruments like the passacaglia. This is a thematic idea, melody, that can go from instrument to instrument, from the lowest to the highest, throughout the piece. And it's a series of variations. And Brahms did exactly that and wrote just a fantastic you know, homage to, to the Baroque master, and that's only the last movement of the piece. The other three are also fantastic. Like, you know, there is a scherzo, possibly the only, no, not possibly, actually the only scherzo that Brahms wrote in a symphony. In a very, very different than scherzos that Beethoven will write, but still in that kind of mood. It's the only movement that includes a uh, percussion instrument, you know, like a triangle. And another example of uh, Brahms going back into early, earlier periods, the second movement starts with two horn solos in the Phrygian mode. So that means it's, it's a very old scale that pretty much in the classical and, and almost in the entire Romantic period was missing. The Impressionists like Debussy or Ravel start using those Greek modes again, but... Um, it's not very present in the Romantic period. So here it is uh, again, Brahms, uh, already a very mature composer, writing incredibly beautiful melodies, using some forms of the past, combining the Baroque style with the more Romantic style, and giving us a symphony that is really a, a masterpiece. 
And he actually, you know, sets the tone, as I said earlier, as a romantic composer, when he was afraid, he wrote his first symphony, or he finished, actually, his first symphony at the age of 43. He said that after Beethoven, nobody could write a symphony as good as Beethoven. And, and uh, you know, other composers, even though they thought about that, you know, like Mendelssohn wrote five and Schumann wrote four, Dvorak wrote nine. And he said, well, uh, after he got through that, you know, trauma of writing a symphony after Beethoven, he gave to the world four incredible symphonies. And, and uh, you would think, okay, what else could be written after, after this? And then, guess what? We have uh, Gustav Mahler writing nine incredible symphonies. Bruckner, as well, nine symphonies at the end of the uh, 19th and beginning of the 20th century. And when we think, oh, well, after Mahler, who else can write a symphony? Then we have Shostakovich, and then we have Prokofiev, and, you know, even Penderecki. So there is no end to what can be written so so if 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 you want fiona to write a symphony uh you actually could <laughs> if i could i could <laughs> so this must be for a young composer like quinn mason who comes in in the in the 21st century do you think that it's it's very difficult it's very daunting how can i present myself after the the greats have been and gone do you think every sure. generation feels that way Sure. I mean, um, the tendency is to write less uh, in the traditional forms, uh, but that's, I say that that's only a tendency because I believe that, you know, there are cycles in music, like in everything else, actually, in, in life, and eventually young composers will turn back again to writing symphonies. So these days is music that, yeah, sometimes uh, it has a program, sometimes it does not. It's based on current events. Uh, it's more abstract. You know, just to give you an example of this one, he called this overture Toast uh, of the Town. And, you know, immediately uh, when I opened this course, he said, well, let's, let's see what is this about. And he writes, Toast of the Town is a festive and fun overture to an operetta that does not exist. And it is designed in the style of light operetta comparable to Gilbert and Sullivan or Offenbach overtures. So even, you know, just a contemporary composer looks back into something that it's gone already uh, a long time ago, like operetas by Offenbach and Gilbert and Sullivan, and he wanted to bring back some of that style. Uh, and he's not the only one who does these things, that eventually composers will, will again start writing symphonies and be uh, similar to... What we had in the past could be, but could be a, a totally different approach to that. That's still to be seen. So they will write symphonies for a new age. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and let me tell you a story. How did I get to know uh, Queen Mason? So he came last year to, to Penn State for the uh, uh, African-American Festival, and um, I got to meet him in, in person, and he's supposed to conduct one piece for string orchestra with, with one of our orchestras. And the day of the concert, it was an ice storm, and unfortunately, um, the concert was canceled. So I felt so bad because the, the students already have, have worked on the piece, and uh, we waited a couple of days, 
He unfortunately needed to leave back to Texas, where, where he is from. But I decided to record the piece anyway, and now it's available on YouTube. And I got a very, very, very nice note from, from Quinn saying that that was the ultimate performance of the piece called Svitani for strings. And, you know, I felt really well about it. And that's why I started researching more about his music. And I said, why not to bring one of his pieces to Williamsport? And and then I discovered this really fun and light overture that I thought would be the perfect way to start a new season in a very optimistic way, in a very upbeat way that, you know, will set the tone for, for, for the rest of the season. It is indeed upbeat and optimistic and, dare I say, fun. Was it difficult matching that to the Brahms and the Bach, or, or do they well, absolutely. Have... I mean, it's difficult for the reason that it's a very contrasting piece. And you know me, Fiona, that uh, I like, you know, sometimes, not, not always, but I like, you know, variety, and, and I like extremes in the sense that just to give our audience those moments of awe and uh, and surprise them with with uh, contrasting pieces, contrasting music from the past, from the present. So then they get uh, really um, just a very, uh, just a good spectrum of what, what music is, you know, since since the early ages to, to these days. What And why Brahms, when we listen to it, sounds like Brahms and, and Bach sounds like Bach. And when we have a new composition, you know, that sometimes people are, are scared to say, oh, there is a new piece, we are going to listen to a premiere of a new piece. And just to tell them that not, not everything is, is hard listening or, or dissonant or, or things like they are not used to. If I wouldn't say that this piece is by, by Queen Mason, somebody will immediately say, oh, that sounds like maybe Gilbert and Sullivan or Offenbach. And I, I think that, that's the message for our people, for our audience, that when they come to a concert, they always will be surprised and they will get just a large variety uh, of, of music written since the 18th century to, to actually these days. This piece was premiered in April of uh, 2021. So it's a year and a half old. Uh, isn't it amazing? <laughs> That's amazing. And, and you know, Maestro, you never let your audience sit still. You know, there's always something new. That you can't fall asleep at a Williamsport. Uh, that's Symphony. a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's, you know, a uh, big compliment and something that I, I always aim for is to uh, surprise our audience, but uh, mainly to make them feel part of the music. Uh, and every time that they they listen to a piece, that just just really you know have them in their in in their body. It's not only in their mind, uh, in their ears, but also in their body and in their heart. And and that that's a difficult task, but we we really strive for that. And I hope that 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 our message gets through. I think it always does. This sounds like an incredible concert for the beginning of a new season with the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra. No, I'd like to thank you again, Fiona. It's always a pleasure talking with you. I always wait for our talks, and hopefully this will get the audience excited and buy you know, season tickets. The entire season will have surprises and incredible music to perform and to share with, with our lovely, lovely audiences. So thank you very much. 
Gerardo Edelstein speaking about the opening concert of the new season for the Williamsport Symphony Orchestra. Bach, Brahms and beyond will open with Quinn Mason's Toast of the Town Overture. This celebratory piece by Dallas, Texas-based composer-conductor Quinn Mason was first performed only a year ago and it has already been programmed by orchestras from coast to coast. Johann Sebastian Bach's beloved Concerto for Two Violins in D minor will feature soloists Mark and Sally Minnick, the gifted husband and wife performers who call themselves the revamped duo. The program concludes with the magnificent and moving Symphony No. 4 by Johannes Brahms. The Williamsport Symphony Orchestra, under the baton of maestro Gerardo Edelstein, will open the season on Tuesday, October the 18th. The concert begins at 7.30 p.m. at the Community Arts Centre in Williamsport. For tickets, please call the Community Arts Centre box office at 570-326-2424 or you can buy tickets online at caclive.com. Many thanks to Gerardo Edelstein. And many thanks to you, Fiona Powell, WVIA's producer for the Susquehanna Valley.